Hey everyone, welcome to The Geek Awakens, where the talk is geekier than hoping Kiana's new girlfriend doesn't get him a dog for Christmas. I'm Mitch, and joining me tonight is Matt, <laughs> Tabitha, <laughs> and Lydia! Hi guys! That might be a record for the fastest shame. It might be, and I'm just so glad that I'm here to actually record it this time. Like, I don't... I don't... <laughs> is that two? <laughs> is that all you... Like, you're not going to speak at all tonight, and you're just going to be in shame. And they're all going to be for me. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Bye. <laughs> so, if you like getting shamed a lot, then be sure to subscribe to us pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, including Stitcher, Spotify, and Castbox. Really like what you hear? Then throw us some coin on Patreon at patreon.com/slash The Geek Awakens Podcast. Okay, Sonic. <laughs> Which also, like, I wasn't planning on talking about him today, but he looks a lot better now. Have you guys seen this? Uh-huh. Yes, I haven't looked, but. Said it was le- saw that it was leaked. Yeah, he he looks he looks much more Sonicy. Um, any questions, comments, or concerns? Like, what exactly is Sonicy? Uh, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail dot com. Ah, that's really hot. Um, the coffee, not my email address. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first thing that I want to bring up today, is something that's coming up uh, later this month, um, the uh, Illinois Symphony Orchestra has two performances. They're going to be performing on November 15th at the Bloomington Arts Center for uh, the Performing Arts, and then at uh, November 16th at the UIS Performing Arts Center in Springfield. Um, they are doing, uh, basically it's a tribute to superheroes. They're going to be doing themes from you know things like Captain America, Batman, uh, Harry Potter, Star Wars, a um, bunch of different things. Also, it's going to have a tribute to... Um, uh, people in the armed forces. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, tickets start at uh, $21. Um, and then also, family friendly pre concert activities start at 6 30. The actual concert itself starts at 7 30 mm-hmm. in both locations. So, uh, students are uh, $6, and then children five, five and under are free. <laughs> like, admission, not like you don't get to buy a student for $6. I should Aww. clarify that. <laughs> Any children five and under, you just get to walk you away see? with them. Yes. That doesn't sound that's, like a good door. <laughs> that's how I understood it. I could be wrong. <laughs> so, um, that's what they mean by family-friendly activities. It's like it's like a cakewalk, but instead of a cake, you get a child. Can I be like, can I have the cake instead? <laughs> I was just thinking, can I be the person that gets it like right after they run out of door prizes? Like, <laughs> oh, darn, darn it! <laughs> My night is ruined. <laughs> is there still cake? <laughs> what if what if you get both a kid and a cake? Does it, does it make the cake? Depends on the cake. Depends on the cake. <laughs> I prefer pie. You prefer oh, pie. Okay, so what what kind of cake would get you to take the kid? Ooh. And also pie. Key lime pie could get me to take the kid. <laughs> I do basically anything for Q Pie though. You would, that's true. Yeah. Um, cake? Mm. It would have to be like the best funfetti cake that's ever existed. But like, not like the boxed funfetti cake. Like, I'm gonna need somebody to put some real sprinkles in that. This is true. Yeah. I can make that happen. You're just gonna steal a child to give it to me with a cake? <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, we won't be here next week, guys, because we're all going to be in jail. 
Maybe they'll let us do a podcast from prison. Doubtful. <laughs> podcast from prison. No. <laughs> I feel like that's probably a thing if you look on the internet hard enough. It probably, probably is. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, Matt, you've got a bunch of news coming out of BlizzCon, so um, I'm just going to let you take the reins. Okay. Yep, there, um, so BlizzCon happened, what, last weekend? A whole bunch of news. Um, some of it expected, some of it unexpected. Last year, BlizzCon was kind of a letdown because people were kind of were expecting uh, a reveal of Diablo 4. That did not happen last year. They did some Diablo Immortals, like a ported version of Diablo 2 to phones. Um, so this year, we got a whole bunch of news. Um, as expected, kind of, we got a new World of Warcraft expansion. This one is called Shadowlands. There is a trailer. It's about five and a half minutes long. Brunt of the trailer is basically Lady Sylvanas taking on the Lich King Bolvar. Uh, it's pretty much a one-sided battle. As most of these cinematics are, they're just absolutely stunning and amazing from beginning to end. Um, the catch to this one, this expansion, they haven't released all the details, is uh, the line that Sylvanas says in the trailer, this world is a prison and I will set us all free. The premise is that death is coming to World of Warcraft. Um, they The next areas that you'll be able to visit will be kind of like an underworld afterlife kind of situation. So there will be um, death coming full circle. There will be characters that, you, that have died that will be back kind of in this new expansion. Um, they haven't released the like the level cap, you know, which is assuming go up and what other tweaks and mechanic type stuff are going to happen. Um, but they're saying that Shadowlands is an expansion built around the agency of choice. Uh, they're expected to release in 2020. That's about all the information for the World of Warcraft expansion. Next, um, I'm going to go to Overwatch 2. Overwatch is still alive and kicking, doing quite well. They're adding maps, they're adding characters, but they are doing Overwatch 2. Um, players with Overwatch will be able to play with Overwatch 2 players in traditional PvP team-based modes. So at this point, essentially nobody is getting left behind. They are not going to divide the player base between Overwatch and Overwatch 2, which sometimes happens like with mm-hmm. you know modern warfare games. The new one comes out. There's no interaction between, you know, Modern Warfare 3 and, like, Black Ops, you know, for example. Um, This is a little bit different. So, um, Overwatch players, current Overwatch players will get the updates to all the PvP, including the maps, the new competitive mode called Push, and any upcoming heroes. So, they won't be left out of that. But what Overwatch 2 will bring are story modes. Which will focus story missions, which will focus on the lore and narrative of the characters. So you get some more backstory. Which for me, I, I I enjoy Overwatch, but I've always wanted kind of a single player story mode type of situation to it because it's all only online, only PvP. Um, so this will be kind of a cool addition to that. Um, the new mode that they're introducing is called Push. It is a competitive mode where two teams push a robot across the map with barricades obstructing the path. So no real, no, not a whole lot of information on that other than that particular information. Um, Both versions are going to be getting cosmetic 
uh, and visual upgrades with new, like slightly altered character designs, which is what Blizzard tends to do when they do these expansions and updates like they do with World of Warcraft. Um, the other big news for this is that all of the cosmetics and progress that characters or um, players have made in Overwatch will carry over to Overwatch 2. So all the time and effort that you spent building up your character and your reputation level, all of your costumes, etc. for your characters, that will move over. So you won't lose any of that. Um, and then there will also be hero missions, which they're talking about as highly replayable co-op modes. So that should be kind of interesting, especially with the idea of being highly replayable. That tends to be a, <clears throat> like a, not a glitch, but like a, a letdown sometimes for some of this stuff. Because um, once you do it, you know, it's, you're done and over. So replayable is a good, you know, really cool to keep that moving and growing. Um, the biggest question with Overwatch uh, is that how it's going to be delivered to customers. Is it going to be a separate game? Is it going to be a separate purchase? Um, is it going to be just a paid update content, like a patch um, to the current client? So you'll be able to do it. You won't have to do it. How's that going to work? They haven't released cost or if there's going to be a discount for current owners slash players. Um, and then the biggest news coming out of BlizzCon is kind of like I said, Diablo 4 was officially announced. It was kind of leaked leading up to BlizzCon that it was going to be happening. But to get the full trailer and to get the gameplay video um, shown at BlizzCon was, was huge. That's really what everybody was waiting for. Uh, the cinematic trailer that was released online is nine and a half minutes long. Goodness gracious. <clears throat> it is. It's long. Uh, but just like every other Diablo cinematic, it's totally worth the time spent watching it. Gives you a little bit of the story. Um, and it's visually absolutely stunning. Just like Blizzard has always done with these. You watch these and you're like, how is, if you look at some of these parts of this trailer, how is this CGI? It's just that impressive. Um, it does take place years after the events of Diablo 3. The interesting thing for me is that the cinematic had a little bit more of a horror feel to it. And granted, yes, Diablo, you're fighting demons in the dungeons, you know, Diablo the devil. But this one definitely had a more graphic horror aspect to the end of the trailer than I've seen in the past. So we'll see, we'll see how that comes through in the game. Um, <clears throat> no release date yet, but they have said that it's in development for PC, PS4 and Xbox one, which makes everybody kind of think that it's going to be sooner rather than later. Considering that we have release dates for uh, PlayStation five and the next Xbox being next holiday season. So <laughs> we'll see. So um, one thing, like when I was, when I was looking over this, um, the, the news about Overwatch was the one that, like, really caught my eye. And so, like, something that I, that I really want to ask both of you, just, like, is this new information, especially, like, considering some of the aspects of Overwatch 2 mm -hmm. will be playable if only you if you only have the first Overwatch? Yeah. Is the stuff that's not included enough to make you want to get Overwatch 2? For me, it's going to completely depend on the price, the price point. Considering that Overwatch players are going to be getting maps and be able to play with Overwatch 2 players and new heroes and things like that. If it's a $60 purchase just for these, you know, story modes and hero missions, not worth it. That's not going to be worth it. Um, so I, that that is going to play into it a lot for me, whether it's worth the purchase price. So. I agree. Um, I haven't <clears throat> even played 
Overwatch one, but <laughs> <laughs> like I agree if it's 60 bucks or so just to add those few extra things and it's not worth it. But I do like that they said that it's basically cross playable mm-hmm. because like you said, a lot of these games, once they get to a new the next version next game, one, you can't play with people that are right. playing the other game. And a lot of times what happens is people will start playing the new one and all the servers for the older one die because nobody's yeah. there to play. So with this, if you can't afford to get the new one, you're still going to be able to play with people because they're still going to be there. Right. I mean, that's like that type of issue, not playing like the the progression from one game to the next is something that even my eight year old has realized when he plays plants versus zombies. Yeah. He plays the original. It's really hard for him to find a match online because there aren't many people playing it. Mm -hmm. He plays two, which is the more recent of them. There's a lot more people playing that. And he, even at that age, he doesn't quite understand why that's the case. So something like this, is a really cool idea for Blizzard to do. Yeah, because, say, example, I played Call of Duty Ghosts. That was the first one mm. I played, and that was one I liked the best. best that one I liked the best, and it was full of players, always constant servers. Like, you could get right into a match, and then I think it was Advanced Warfare came out, mm. and all the servers for Ghosts, like, died. <laughs> like, you could sit there for ten minutes and not get a match. Yeah. So, I think it's a cool addition to make it where you can still play with people no matter which version of the game you're playing. Yeah, it's one of those, I don't know, Blizzard is often tended to be kind of on the cusp when it comes to those new types of ideas um, for some of these games, and I think that might be one of those that might be almost revolutionary for like online multiplayer games. So we did get a press release from uh, Oni Press. Uh, they are launching a new fantasy series. It's called Dryad. It's coming out in March of next year. It's by uh, Rat, Queen's, Rat Queen's creator, Curtis uh, Whitey, and then also new art, artist, Justin Osterling. Uh, basically, what this is, it's kind of like a, it's a family drama based in a fantasy world. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of read from the synopsis here. So it's uh, basically it's about an elf and a human uh, find solace in the sleepy forest settlement of Frostbrook, where they plant their roots. But 13 years later, their twins, Griffin and Rana, are inexplicably drawn to an ancient uh, door and discover more than they bargained for, inadvertently turning their world upside down. Now they will have to answer for their parents' mistakes and find that their past has a way of finding you no matter where you hide. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I'm so, yeah. Yeah. So this does, this sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be in stores and online March 4th is okay. when the first issue is going to come out. So yeah, look for that one. I keep thinking that like March and all those months are way farther away than they are. Then I remember, oh yeah, it's November. <laughs> yeah. A new decade is like a month and a half away, and I'm not ready for this. Yeah, me either. Why do you gotta make it, why, why? Why you gotta, why you gotta point this stuff out? <laughs> it's Mitch. It's what I, I do. I already got a holiday drink today. I don't even know what month, year, time, anything it is. I wrote 2018 on something, and you're telling me a new decade's coming. I'm over it. <laughs> Dude, it looked like Christmas on Halloween. I was not okay. That was beautiful. Yeah. That was the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I was so mad when I saw that. <sighs> There's a joy in your life. <laughs> Look who's been... talking. And then, yeah. <laughs> I have a holiday coming. I have plenty of joy right now. <laughs> I got your joy right here. <laughs> <laughs> I could smack you with my holiday cup from over here. I would. I mean, you could, but yep. you probably please. get like tea all over the equipment. And yeah, yeah, please don't. Dangerous. I won't. My arms aren't that long. <laughs> I got T Rex problems. <laughs> uh, we did get a chance to um, check out uh, some books. The first three 
uh, all come from uh, fan tunes, and they're not like your typical graphic novel or anything like that. So not really enough, to, not really a whole lot to actually you know review per se. But the first one is um, it's Motorhead. Where is Lemmy? Which this it's an official uh, Motorhead book. It's done in like the Where's Waldo style, you know. Um, so it's fourteen double spread pages with search and find, you know. And you gotta find Lemmy in each one. This was awesome. I loved this. This was fun. But I'm a metalhead, so like, I mean, Lemmy is an icon. No. What What did you think? I mean, I love a good Where's Waldo, even though it takes me like point two seconds to find these things, and they're kind of lost on me for the entertainment value. But fun. Yeah. Yeah. I same. I uh, I didn't take the time to try to find Lemmy in every single one of them. But the first couple ones, I was like, okay, I need to find him. <laughs> and then the others, I just kind of like. I was just looking at the art in general, and if I found him, I found him. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like it's it's again similar to Where's Waldo in the fact that like if you're looking, you're gonna find some weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. stuff happening in the background. <laughs> yeah. But of course, you know, with this being Motorhead, it's it's a little little more adult than uh, <laughs> yeah than you would find with Where's Waldo. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's like one in like the bar or whatever, and it's like I found like at least five people puking. Like, oh, it was yep. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds like a Motorhead show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another one, um, it's uh, Frank Zappa, the, Zappa, the coloring book. Um, it's another. This one's also officially licensed. It has original art by um, it, all the art was done by you know, fans of Frank Zappa, which I thought this was cool because it had a lot of different styles of art with each page. Um, And one thing that I liked with this one, as well as the next one, which we'll get to in a second, um, when the whole like adult coloring book craze first started, like that would give me anxiety Mm -hmm. with how intricate, you know, Mm -hmm. like and how tiny the lines were. And this wasn't that case. I mean, it wasn't, it's not like simple as in like, Hey, here's, you know, baby's first coloring book or anything like that. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a lot more simple than the, oh, 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 oh man, I got outside the line. Mm-hmm. You know, but what did you guys? I agree with you. Like the art in this one was really cool. I have the same problem with those adult coloring books because nothing gives me more anxiety than like me getting outside the lines. And then yeah. I can't color the rest of that page. I have to go to the next one and just waste my money. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so calming. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> so there were lines. And then if they wanted it to be calming, they would put it in like, spiral bound so I can make it be flat and not like have to hold it open with my elbow and my toe and my forehead to kind of <laughs> in the middle. And not only that, but half of the designs aren't symmetrical, so like if you want to make it even, you can't because half of the lines are like out of place. Now I'm just twitching, but yes, I, I like this. I, I scanned through the whole thing just looking at like the different art styles and stuff that were in it. Like that was really cool. Um, the other one, it's uh, Ninja Sex Party, the coloring book, which... I didn't know that Ninja Sex Party was a band. <laughs> so did. when oh, what? That's a band? That's a, yes. Okay. Yes. News. That actually makes more sense. <laughs> that does make a lot more sense. <laughs> they now. are they are a comedy band, and uh, yeah. When I when I first looked at it, I was like, huh. Okay. What am I in for? I'm a little <laughs> nervous. But um. But yeah. But then like you know flipping through it, and this one it's got uh, illustrations like including like uh, dinosaurs, romance, martial arts, mythical creatures. The art of seduction, as uh, never as say that again. No, no, never, never. Just the way that was listed oh. sounded like very interesting. Yeah, dinosaur romance. Dinosaur Ooh. romance. I'd read that. Yeah. I'd, read, I'd read a good dino romance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, your yeah. calling, Mitch. Right, dinosaur romances. I mean, just romance or like dinosaur erotica. 
Oh. Oh. You can make more money with erotica. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you write, like, the child-friendly stuff under one name, and then you write the erotica under a different name, and then you just make all the money. And then you sell all of them for 99 cents on Amazon, and all the single, desperate old ladies will buy them, and we'll have all the money for the podcast. Exactly. I like it. This is, like, the perfect idea. <laughs> Guys, we're going to take the next couple weeks off, so I can... <laughs> Lay the groundwork here. <laughs> but, uh, but what did you guys think about this other coloring book? Um, I did not know this was a band. And I was also full brightness up on my iPad, checking this out in the middle of Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> so cool. But, uh, yeah. It, uh, didn't know it was a band. It was not for children at all. I was very confused by some of the things. But I guess if I had more context with the band, I would have got stuff. I'm like, made this. Just looking at their website already, like, more of what I saw in the coloring book makes sense. Now I just want to know if they're on tour. (laughs) (laughs) Get them to sign the coloring book? Why not, right? I mean, these guys are, these guys look like the type that if you walked up to them at the merch table, they would absolutely sign the coloring book. They only have one show, it's in LA. That's too far away. That's a week away. No, can't get there. Darn. (laughs) So, Celebrating ten years. Mm-hmm. Wow, they've been at this a while. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand nine. It's you, you. never saw them because they're ninjas. Only one of them's a ninja, according to the Wikipedia. Uh, fair enough. One is an idiotic, exuberant, hypersexual Jewish superhero named Danny Sexbang, and the other is Ninja Brian, an uncommunicative, homicidal ninja. Just. I mean, that was in the coloring book, so yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more you know. So, all those books uh, from Fantoons are out now, so um, if you want to have any idea what we were just talking about, go and find that. <laughs> so, um, also out now from Vault is uh, issue one of Heist, or How to Steal a Planet, and uh, this is written by Paul Tobin with art by Arjuna Susuni. Uh, basically, this uh, follows uh, this guy named Blaine, who's just released from prison and is now like on a mission to go back to his heisting ways. Um, and, uh, it also, it features like probably my favorite part of this book was the character, uh, Brady. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when you, when we first meet Brady, who's like, I don't know, this like preteen kid or whatever. It's like, yeah, my name's Brady, like shady or payday. Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I I had to read that twice because I'm like, "Eh, what? (laughs) But see, what I loved about that is uh, is the fact like I did stuff like that when I was a kid. I was like, yeah, that kind of rhymes. Close enough. We're going to roll with it. (laughs) (laughs) So I know, Lydia, you got a chance to read this. What did you think? I liked it. It took me a minute to kind of get into like what was going on with the story because it kind of did the thing where it's like, oh, we're going to drop in the middle of the story, and then we're going to give you all this exposition via characters rambling about stuff. But it kind of worked out okay in that aspect. Uh, the art style gave me a very, like, fifth element vibe, though. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, that was cool. But overall, I liked it. Tab, what about you? Yeah, the little I read of it, I agree with Lydia. I got, like, that fifth element, like, bartering, trading, like, thing, like, whole whatever. My problem with this, and the reason I didn't get through the rest of it, was that art was so busy. I was trying to pay attention to so many things all at the same time. 
also like Fifth mm-hmm. Element, where you've got four thousand things going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't focus enough to pay attention to the words. Matt, what about you? I mean, I really enjoyed this. I didn't quite get all the way through it. I'm intrigued to see where this story goes, just because of the characters that he wants to what's the word hire mm-hmm. to be part of this group. I want to see how that uh, dynamic, dynamic yeah, how that all plays out. Yeah. So. I will say, since you said like the art was so busy, the art itself was busy, but I did like how each character was very well like defined. You could, yeah. mm-hmm. it didn't take you long to figure out who was who at a glance. Mm-hmm. Like I've, some of the different comics that we've reviewed over the years, so have some of them like the characters are hard to tell yeah, apart. Yeah, they're very hard yeah. to tell yeah. apart. These ones, they're, each one of them, you could tell right away who was who. So I did like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I thought that uh, no, I I haven't ever watched Fifth Element, so, like, I don't... Hi, have we met? <laughs> you have no room to talk. Mister, we have a list of movies you haven't seen. True, but I've seen Fifth Element numerous times. Okay, one of those times has been for me. So... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... But that, but that said, like, I just, like, I did, like, when I was reading it, I was like, I envisioned, you know, like, yeah, this, I mean, this reads, like, you know, a classic heist movie, you yeah. know, like the, the beginnings of it. And I'm, I'm really anxious to see where this goes. So like I said, this is out now. Um, we do have a couple other comics news to talk about. And Tabla, we're going to start with you and Ziggy Stardust. Um, Simon and Schuster have released uh, Bo 8, Stardust, Ray Guns, and Moon Age Daydreams, which tells the story of Bowie's rise as Ziggy Stardust. Um, it's going to be part biography and part imagination. And, I mean, does anything fit like a psychedelic space story like David Bowie? <laughs> um, it's going to be drawn by Michael Allred, written by Steve Porton, and colored by Laura Allred. Um, this has a foreword coming out by Neil Gaiman and will release on January 7th of 2020 and is already available for pre-order. Nice. This looks super cool. I'm not the huge, like, hugest Bowie fan or anything, but, like, this looks like a wonderful piece of, like, commemorative art almost told in, like, graphic novel form. Yeah. So, and then it's got Neil Gaiman backing it and, um, Michael Allred is who did his, uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman for mm. Fables. I can't remember which. One yeah. of Neil Gaiman's works um, with him, so I have all the faith in these people to make this look really cool. Humble Bumble? I did, I did this the last time we talked about Humble Bundle. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like the most adorable little bumblebee. Like, <laughs> So humble. <laughs> There's your other book you can write, The Adventures of Humble Bumble. Is that also erotica? <laughs> <laughs> Pollinating so many flowers. Oh my god. <laughs> I deserved that. <laughs> <laughs> it's springtime for Humble Bumble. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> and I'm dying. Yes, I killed Mitch. <laughs> that means you take over as host of The Geek Awakens. Oh no! <laughs> hey, Mitch! <laughs> So, humble bundle. There you go. <laughs> We're proud of you. I'm not. <laughs> um, they are celebrating uh, Dynamite Comics' 15th anniversary, and so they're doing this with um, by uh, releasing a bundle with, with just a huge amount of Dynamite Comics. And if you're in, unfamiliar with the uh, um, with what they do, basically it's sold in different tiers. You can pay whatever you want. But a minimum of $1 gets you so many, you know. 
So we've got about two weeks left of this promotion, and uh, they're they're saying that the normal like retail price of this book is over like eight hundred dollars. Um, <clears throat> they are available in uh, PDF, EPUB, or CBZ formats. Uh, and you can also choose to either choose where the money goes, either to the publisher or to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Of oh, course, cool. I always love that about Humble Bundles. Like once you pick, I, I don't know if anybody else has done it, but I've bought stuff from hum- Humble Bundle before. And now you got me doing it. <laughs> See, <laughs> um, but once you select your purchase price, there's a little slider bar, and you get to decide how much is going to the publisher, how much is going to, um, you know, whether it's like the Legal Defense Fund or what. Like you, you get to pick, which I think yeah. is fantastic. So, um, I'm not, this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but I just chose a few from each tier, uh, just kind of give you an idea. So, if for a dollar or more, you can get uh, The Librarians, number one, uh, Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World, uh, numbers one through six, uh, Obey Me, number one, and Xeno Warrior Princess, number one. Uh, for eight dollars or more, you get all that tier, plus uh, Bob's Burgers, volume one, Kiss, Blood and Stardust. Uh, Project Superpowers Evolution and Charlie's Angels versus the Bionic Woman number one, which that sounds fun. It does. <laughs> um, at $15 or more, you get uh, The Army of Darkness Omnibus num- Volume 1, uh, The Boys uh, Digital Omnibus Volume 1, Elvira, The Shape of Elvira number one, and uh, Peter Cannon uh, Thunderbolt number one. For $18 or more, you get Army of Darkness, uh, it's a one shot Humble Bundle exclusive. The Art of Atari, John Wick Volume 1, and Neil Gaiman's The Last Temptation. Nice. So, yeah. I When I first looked at it, I was, like, not interested in that top tier because, oh, look, there's John Wick. And, like, at a quick glance, I was like, <laughs> there wasn't anything else that really caught my eye. But then, like, when I was looking at it a little bit further, I was like, huh. That's- I happened to run across this the other day, and just the inclusion of The Boys mm-hmm. and the fact that it's the TV series now had me kind of intrigued to see like what else was included. Yeah. So I definitely am going to consider getting that. So uh, we're going to do some gut reaction and we're going to start with Matt and the Witcher. (coughs) So the Witcher has not debuted yet. November, December 20th. Mm -hmm. The first season is available on Netflix, but the showrunner Lauren S. Hissert has supposedly already roughly mapped out seven seasons. Um, the show hasn't been renewed for the second season yet. Like I said, it hasn't aired. But she says that the reason she's done so is because it's a terrible idea to only focus on one season with no plan of where the characters and the series could go in the future. Which I think that's a fantastic idea not to put all of your eggs in one basket. Which, I mean, I kind of get you don't want to... You want to have things that are self-contained, but at the same time, a story like this, you're going to want a bigger arc. Um, so while I think seven seasons might be a bit ambitious, um, I like the idea behind planning out more than one season. So I'm going to go thumbs up. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go thumb sideways on this. Um, it's just like on the one hand, yeah, like I, I like the idea of like, Hey, you're, you're, you know, like planning on, you have like a, a big, you know, big picture idea or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, man, what if this bombs yeah. and like, and you don't even get a second season, man, that is going to suck. Uh, Lydia. I would agree with you. I like that they're kind of being ambitious with it because I feel like a lot of the shows that end up not getting renewed for stuff is because they threw everything they had into Mm -hmm. that first, maybe second season and then they ran out of ideas because they weren't planning on anything past that. So the fact that they have like an idea of where they want to take this, should they get the opportunity, 
I think that's an awesome idea, so thumbs up. Tabitha. I'm going to also go thumb sideways because I'm going to agree with Mitch. I mean, I like the idea that they have a plan, but I think I'm also still a little scarred by the fact that they had a plan for the Game of Thrones seasons and we all see how season eight ended. <laughs> so, like, I like that there's a plan, but like, if you, like you said, if this bombs, then you've got this whole thing planned out yeah. that and it could have been and it doesn't go anywhere. And that's upsetting to you. That's upsetting to, you know, other creators and other fans. True. Um, Tabitha, let's talk about uh, Christmas Carol. Um, did you guys watch this trailer? Mm, no? Yes. No, at least somebody did. Okay. <laughs> I know what was there. <laughs> FX and BBC are making all of my Charles Dickens dreams come true. Um, a Christmas t- Carol is being told the way it should be told, and not happy-go-lucky, not smiley and everything. Um, this looks creepy, dark, wonderfully done. Um, Tom Hardy will be starring in this and executive producing, but he hasn't released, and it's also not in the trailer, what character he's playing. <laughs> what? I noticed that. I was a little yeah. bothered by Were that. Were you looking for Tom Hardy? I was! I, I mean, I'm always looking for Tom Hardy, but, you know, <laughs> I didn't see him in there, but... Um, it's unknown who he'll be playing at this point. Ridley Scott is also executive producing. There's going to be three one-hour episodes, and it's going to air in December on FX and BBC. Um, Stephen Knight, who's writing it, is planning to adapt five Dickens books over the next six or seven years. Oh, wow. So this is just you know something that's going to continue on for them. Um, also, the cast of this is crazy. Um, we have Guy Pearce, Andy Serkis, Stephen Graham, um, Charlotte Riley. Like, it's just a crazy amount of, like, really well-known British actors. Um, I'm going thumbs up on this. Uh, Like I said, this is making all my Christmas Carol dreams come true because I hate the Christmas Carols where it's not scary because it's a terrifying book to read. (laughs) So I'm going thumbs up. Also, Tom Hardy. Hard eyes. So. (laughs) Matt. I'm also going thumbs up. When I watch this trailer and you first see Guy Pearce, I'm like, hey, that's, that's not Tom Hardy. And I did. I spent the entire rest of the trailer going, where's Tom Hardy? Like, that's Guy Pierce. That's not Tom Hardy. Where's Hardy? I was so confused by that. But I'm definitely going thumbs up. I think this does. It looks dark. It looks creepy. It looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to go thumbs sideways. I I watched the trailer and, like, I don't know if it was kind of the same thing I was looking for Tom Hardy. Because it's like, because <laughs> it says, like, Tom Hardy's a Christmas carol. So it's like, okay, yeah. Um, there's Waldo, but we're Tom Hardy. <laughs> So it's like, I don't know if it's just like, if I was just looking, you know, like focusing too much on that or if just, you know, I wasn't just in the right frame or whatever, but it, like, it was just kind of meh for me. Yeah. Yeah. Lydia. I didn't get a chance to watch the trailer cause I didn't know it was there to watch. Um, but I'm all about like dark, creepy Christmas things. So yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> Speaking of Andy Circus, actually we've got some more casting, maybe news, nothing official yet for the Batman. Andy Circus is in talks to play Alfred. Um, Colin Farrell is in talks to play Penguin, and Matthew McConaughey, uh, might be playing Harvey Dent, aka Two-Face. I don't know how I feel about any of these casting choices, and it's nothing against any of these three actors, but it's like, I don't see Andy Serkis as Alfred, and I think that is my biggest one, but I don't know. I'm gonna give it a thumb sideways, um, you know, with, with casting, like, I always, you know, like, assume that they are choosing the, you know, the right people. My faith, you know, I have, they have my faith, but it's like, I don't know. I'm a little anxious. Lydia. Yeah, I'm also going to go thumb sideways. Because as much as I love Andy Serkis, I could see him being more one of the villains than being Alfred. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't need Matthew McConaughey to be Two-Face. I just don't. Thanks. 
Tampa. Yeah, the whole time I would watch the Captain America, I'd just be waiting for him to say, all right, all right, all right. Right. Like, it would never happen, and I would be disappointed. Or it would, and you'd just be like, stop it. <laughs> right, or it would, they think it was funny, and I'm like, ugh. Um, I agree with you about Andy Serkis, though. Like, he looks more like a villain character than Alfred. Like, Alfred is Michael Caine in my head now, like, forever and always. Yes. So you put anybody else in that role, and I'm going to be like, womp, womp. So, yeah. I'm sorry, maybe. Matt, I, yes, Michael Caine is always going to be Alfred. Like, I just, mm-hmm. like, that, like, that was, if there's ever a perfect Alfred, like, that was it. Um, but at the same time, like, when it comes to Andy Serkis, Everything else he's done, everything else he's played has been phenomenal. So as far as like the skill to be able to play Alfred well, I, I have no doubts about that. My question comes with Colin Farrell and Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. It also comes with the idea that we are going to be getting three villains in this Batman movie. I feel like it's overkill. I always feel like when we get that many villains in a superhero movie, there's just too much going on, and you lose. Well, there's never enough time to focus much. on one, one right. story point before they, you're moving on to the next they, one. They can't be developed well in in that. So I'm going thumb sideways as a whole. I will say, in um, on the subject of McConaughey, the speculation is that he's not going to be Two Face in this movie. He's just going to be Harvey Dent. But we're going to see the transformation into Two Face in a in a sequel. I'm tired of watching yeah. Two Face become Two Face in movies. I mean, it's like watching like the whole Batman origin scene. Are we going to get another one of those? Because there's only so many times his parents can. Die. Oh my God! Can we not? I mean, we're getting Batman's origin in not Batman movie. Yeah, you're right. They just wanted to kill them. Everybody, that's all it is. Everybody knows how it happens. Leave it alone. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Take this next one with a grain of salt, but um, there is further speculation that DC Universe is going away. The uh, I found this article on uh, WeGotThisCovered.com, and their sources are saying that the platform is slowly but surely being shut down. Uh, those sources are the same ones who told them about uh, a Green Lantern show that's coming to HBO before it was officially mm-hmm. announced. Hmm. Uh, which that in itself is kind of an indication. Well, like, yeah. why wouldn't a Green Lantern show be on DC Universe? But okay. Uh, but um, the speculation is that DC Universe is going to be shuttered but the original shows will move over to HBO Max so and I feel you know I'm going to give this one a thumbs down because ah, I really like DC Universe and I want it to succeed not just for the original content but also like I've said before like just with the a huge array of other you know like comics and other things that are on that app it's it's a shame that this is happening the way it's happening that said i mean the only thing that is going to kind of make me go maybe more towards a thumb sideways is the fact that the these shows will be moving over so um, you know with the exception of swamp thing r.i.p um <laughs> so yeah so i mean so we're going to get more titans we're going to get you know more uh, doom patrol that harley quinn show will be coming you know like yeah. i should type with this dismay yeah <clears throat> Uh, Lydia. Yeah, I'm also going to go thumbs down because it, it would kind of suck to lose something like that, but it's good that the shows themselves aren't really going to be going away, so... Yeah. Nah, I agree. Uh, I also feel like sometimes they're getting over-ambitious with these platforms that they're trying mm-hmm. to do, and then they come out like gung-ho with guns blazing, like, yes! And then they're like, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding! <laughs> uh, so, thumbs sideways. Matt. 
Yeah. I'm going to go thumb sideways. Um, I like the fact that the content that they've created might not be forever lost, you know, moving to a different platform. Um, but it does. It sucks that like some of those extra features that are part of the DC universe that aren't available elsewhere, like the comics, that that's going to go away. It's a very unique and interesting idea. Um, I think it was a cool selling point, but apparently it hasn't done enough to keep things going. Tabitha, let's uh, revisit the Sanderson sisters. So it keeps popping up on the internet every couple of years around Halloween Mm -hmm. where someone says that they're going to make a sequel to Hocus Pocus. Um, This year, Sarah Jessica Parker posted a picture of herself and the other two original Sanderson sisters on her Instagram. A fan commented, any chance for a sequel? And she replied back with, we have all said yes, now we wait. Um, Like I said, this has been floating around the internet for years. It comes back every Halloween. Someone always says something. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker has always been really good about responding to her fans and being responsive about stuff, which I think is really cool because most people don't use their social media platforms like she does. This is one remake that I, or not remake, but like sequel that I wouldn't mind getting as long as they don't make it a straight remake, as long as they make it a continuation of the story. And since all three actresses who did play the Sanderson sisters have agreed, I would be okay with this happening as long as it wasn't like a ABC family or freeform (laughs) whatever that channel is now, like movie, like then thumbs down. But like if this was done... Like, as a movie, 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 thumbs up. Matt. Um, I'm going to go thumb sideways. I will openly admit that this year was the first year I have ever watched Hocus Pocus. But I have now seen it. And I just, after having seen it, I'm not sure that I see any reason for a sequel, even if the original cast is involved. According to this, though, it looks like Disney is working with um, with some people on a, on a sequel. And it's... Going going to end up on Disney Plus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's working with uh, Workaholics co-producer Jen D'Angelo. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Um, Disney Plus would be a good platform for it. Yeah. They seem like they know. I mean, they haven't you know started yet, but they seem to know what they're doing. Right. And it's Disney. I remember watching Hocus Pocus as a child, but like I didn't retain a whole lot of that, and so like my first time seeing it as an adult was only last year. So <laughs> I, I will give you a little bit, <laughs> even though I did see it as a kid. But you know, whatever. Um, Every year. Mm-hmm. The book opens its eyes a lot more than you think it does, so pick something else if you're gonna take shots. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't do a shot every time they brought up the fact that the kid was a virgin. No, we we took a shot every time the book opened its eyes, which we thought only happened like once or twice. It happened seven. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna give this a thumbs up. I'm excited about this. Uh, I will say, though, um, you know, to, to quote to quote somebody near and dear to my heart, can't Hollywood do anything original? <laughs> Lydia. <laughs> I'm going them sideways because I, I absolutely love Hocus Pocus, and if they're going to do a sequel or anything, it has to have those three original mm-hmm. girls doing it. So I like that they're all for it. I'm just concerned of what they would do story-wise for it. Matt, let's talk about Google uh, getting their steps in. You know, Google is just going to have all, it's going to own all of our information, all of our personal data, even if they don't already. Um, right. They, Google is buying Fitbit for $2.1 billion. That's a lot of money. 
Um, so apparently part of the reason they're doing this is that because Google has tried to develop software for smartwatches, but hasn't ever been able to really crack the wearable tech market. So they're hoping with buying Fitbit that that'll happen. Um, if you can't do it, buy it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Disney? Yeah. Um, concerns arose about Google having more access to personal data with this purchase. Uh, both companies have reiterated that the health and wellness data that they would collect would not be used in um, Google sold ads. So, and Fitbit has said that their privacy policy will remain what it is now. That's not going to change at all. Um, I had a Fitbit for years. Um, it worked just fine for me. For the most part, Google, they already own all the data anyways. But in general, uh, I don't know. I'm going to go thumbs sideways. Yeah, I'm going to go. I think I might go thumbs down on this. Like, Google, yeah. like, you do a lot of things really well. You don't have to do everything. <laughs> Lydia. I mean, I'm sitting here wearing a Fitbit right now. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of agree. Like, you don't have to own everything and do everything right. But I guess if you can't beat them... Buy them, buy them, whatever. So, some sideways, I guess. If you can't beat them, buy them. I love it. (laughs) I guess I'm just confused as to how much personal information can go on those tiny little Fitbits. Like, what do you put in the app? Like, I've never had a Fitbit. I've always just had a smartwatch. Like, what do you put in there? Like, height, weight, how many steps you do? Uh, I mean, you use age. And birth date to which like, Google literally already yeah, knows. Yeah, that's true. So now they're just GPS tracking you. That's really the only difference. I mean, they're GPS tracking you if you're an Android, anyway. So that's exactly. True. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're it's a girl, different. I guess they know when you're on your period. But <laughs> just know if you're uh, more active, doing exercises. What are they going to do? Report it to my health insurance? Like <laughs> <laughs> maybe they can't beat them. Buy them. If they're going to buy my health insurance, maybe Google, <laughs> Google buys Blue Cross Blue Shield. Who calls your work? Hey, she called in sick this day, and she did like twelve thousand steps. <laughs> like, unless they're doing that, I don't really care. Uh, I mean, anything you put out into the internet is out there for forever, and anybody can find it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> hate to tell you. <laughs> uh, what? So the last thing that we're going to do for uh, gut reaction, uh, Lydia. Let's uh, talk about what China's doing for kids. Yeah, so China apparently has a new law that went into place on Tuesday. Uh, limiting the amount of time you can spend playing video games if you're under 18. Um, there is now a curfew of when you can play games between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m., so you can't play after 10. And you can only play for 90 hours a day, Monday through Friday, or three hours on the weekends. Apparently, you now have to like set up this whole like online profile to log in to play the games. It tracks... That and all sorts of fun stuff. They, there's also um, a new minimum, uh, new maximum you can do for microtransactions that is anywhere from twenty-eight to fifty-seven dollars a month, depending on how old you are. So they save parents some money. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe get some children to go to sleep on time. But I don't know how to feel about this. Like I'm half half of me is like, okay, cool, maybe like. You fix some children not waking up to go to school, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and you're saving parents money. But at the same time, it's like, was a law really necessary? I feel like that's a bit extreme. This is China. This is China. <laughs> so I'm going to go thumb sideways because I'm like, I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to crack down on 
what they call video game addiction. Yeah. Good for them, but don't we scare our children enough by saying, oh, the cops are going to come get you. Now if they play a video game too long, you could actually get, like, fined and arrested. <laughs> what? <laughs> Tip. Yeah, I'm also going to go thumb sideways because, like you said, it is China. It's like, the um, the rules that they have in place and their quote-unquote laws that they have in place are just extreme for basically any country. But I get it. Also, when America starts producing the intelligence that the Chinese are producing in their children, I guess we can argue. But until then, I guess our kids are just going to be fat, lazy, and inside all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Matt. I'm I'm torn on this because my gut says that should be the role of the parents. But obviously, that's... I mean, we've seen here in America that that's just not really a thing. But I, I guess I'm just not the typical parent when it comes to stuff like that. Like there's a cutoff, there's a stopping point. So I could I could get on a soapbox and I'm just gonna go from sideways <laughs> and leave it at that. Um you know like if, if this was something that was going on in America, I might have more of a feeling about it. But I'm like kinda like what we've what we've said. This is China. This is expected of China, honestly. Um, I'm surprised it took them this long. <laughs> And truth be told, it's not the worst idea ever. So, you know what? Whatever. China, have a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I guess they're not, like, if, you, if you're an adult, they're not saying, oh, you can only play video games right. for an hour and a half a day. No, it's just until you're 18. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. like a, it's like a truancy law. For yeah. 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 States. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, all it is. Driving curfew. Yeah. Um, we got time for one more story. Um, let's buy, um, let's buy J.R.R. Tolkien's house. You have six million dollars in your pocket? <laughs> Maybe. No. Where you been hiding that? <laughs> can I borrow some? Because <laughs> I want to buy this house. So, the Oxford, England home where J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Hobbit and some of the Lord of the Rings is for sale. Um, it's, like I said, almost six million dollars. And it's actually remained largely unchanged since he moved out in 1924. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, it's been modernized. Kitchen, bathrooms, things like that. Thank but, God. Right. <laughs> but for the most part, the house is as it was when he lived there. Um, it is 4,000 square foot, has six bedrooms, a beautiful drawing room, and plenty of room to record our podcast. Um, <laughs> you didn't say that in this article. You did. Plenty of room to record the Geek Awakens podcast. <laughs> Right here in this reading room and this beautiful garden, and everybody, let's go to England. I mean, we each have our own bedroom, and it's right. Great. And I feel like the, if the five of us, including Pickett, like split it, like well, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we'd have like yeah. what twenty five dollars or something. Like we'd be close. <laughs> I, I like this though. Like there's a bedroom for each of us, yeah. and then also a guest room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah let's, let's buy this house. Like, and if you look at the pictures, it's beautiful. It's in the English countryside. So there's all kinds of stuff we could do. I'm down. I I'm think it's a this. Great place. Yeah, that's a good and, idea. And when we're not using it, we can rent it out as an Airbnb and make all the money off of it. There we uh, go. This is true because we could charge a lot for that. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you, you can make enough money to go to all the cons we want to go to. Yeah. And more. And more. Oh. And we could go to the ones in England because we'd have somewhere to stay. This is true. I thought this out. I think it's a solid plan. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is you really need to get working on this dinosaur stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to crank out some dinosaur erotica so we can buy. (laughs) (laughs) Poor horror choice. (laughs) And and also work on some humble bumble um, erotica as well. I mean, whatever gets us this house. The busy bee. (laughs) (laughs) Can you 
do like a crossover between the bumblebee and the dinosaur? It's gonna be painful for that poor bee. Oh I feel like it's an extinction story. Oh my god. <laughs> Just the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We started this episode on a shame. We're going to end it on a shame. Yay! <laughs> it's coming full circle. I'm literally getting out of a shame to see <laughs> So that's all the time we have for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad I came back, guys. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> We're glad you came back. Yay! <laughs> Even though I don't know if I would be glad I came back. <laughs> I mean, where do you think it's going to get this kind of quality entertainment in everyday life, though? It's true. This is entertainment of some quality. I don't know what quality, but... Hey, I didn't say it was good quality. I just said of this quality. (laughs) See, mine is the best. We'll be back next week, maybe. But in the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter will we'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, give us some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening and hope you'll be back next week. Everybody, say bye. Bye! bye. Ew! <laughs>